ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, keeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they prowl. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position. Ain't no issue commission. As a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing. Cause I'll be willing and dealing. Find me the trade. Cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy. And I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply. I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy. And I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply. I'm a junkie, ayy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 160 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast. Proud member of the Dynasty Addicts Podcast Network, or the DAP Network, if you will. And I will, because I can. Uh, with me this week is my co-host, Drew. How you doing, Drew? Doing great. Nice to be out of the closet from last week with the weird lighting <laughs> and the echo. So yeah, it feels a little bit more normal here. It definitely sound a lot better. I feel like you're you're not as uh, scared and, and shuddered in the closet, so this should be nice. Get to your full, true opinions. Uh, we're here to talk about week five. Uh, looking back at week five, look ahead to week six. And we recently, while we were on our hiatus, we put out a tweet that said, who do you guys want to see on? And we got a response from, I think it was Tommy Blair. Uh, and he said, you got to have Adam Harstad on. And I'm like, you know what? I've interacted with him on Twitter. I've never talked to him. So we've got Adam Harstad on the show this week. How are you tonight, Adam? I'm fantastic. How about yourself? Hey, I'm, I, I say this all the time. I'm doing great. There's football on. It's a good time. That's all I care about. Like, we get to actually watch football. This is it's all I ever wanted in life. Uh, just in case those uh, people out there may not be familiar with you or what you do, why don't you kind of quick do a quick introduction? I know you're at Adam Harstead on Twitter, but where do you write for? What do you do and where can people find your stuff? Uh, yeah, so I'm um, at footballguys, footballguys.com. I uh, do a few weekly columns and some projections and stuff for them. Um, I'm on Twitter a lot at Adam Harstad. That's pretty easy and straightforward. Um, and then I do a weekly podcast with Matt Waldman, uh, his film and theory podcast every Thursday. Uh, you can find that at mattwaldmanrsp.com or wherever fine podcasts are served. Love Matt. Yeah, we've had yeah, we've had Matt on the show a couple of times. He's a good dude. He knows what he's talking about. That is for yes, sure. He, he does. He knows more about things that I'll never know about than I know about of than anything. You know what I mean? Like he is smarter on so many topics than I'll ever be on any topic. It's great. I love having him on. And I'm sure you get a lot of good questions with him. Working with him is probably got to be a, a nice twist. And then football guys, great place to work too. We've had a lot of their different football guys on the show too. So big fan of that whole brand you're working with. So glad to have you here tonight. And I'm excited to talk about some week five stuff. Uh, first thing we got to bring up, unfortunately, is a little bit of downer news is all the injuries. This was kind of like injury palooza or like that injury you know, storm that we get every year. It felt like it came a little earlier than usual, but we had four pretty good ones this week. Uh, different players going on IR. Now, granted, IR is only four weeks as a minimum now. It used to be eight, right? But four weeks is still a long time in this fantasy season. Hey, I've been so. playing long enough to remember when it used to be forever. IR yes. was done for the year. So That's true. That's four true. weeks I will take. Yeah, I remember thinking when it was eight weeks, I'm like, well, that doesn't seem fair. And so now I'm like, yeah. four weeks, I'm like, thank God, it's only four weeks. Um, but I think it just gives teams more flexibility to decide what they really want to do, which is, I think it's a smart move. But again, the, the biggest injuries, we'll start with the four uh, that I put on the sheet here. First one, Anthony Richardson. I mean, this guy, rookie quarterback, coming in hot, looked like he was going to be potential rookie of the year. He might still be, right? They're, they're, I don't, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but this shoulder injury, it looks like at least four weeks. I mean, 
Drew, I guess I'll kick it to you first. What are your thoughts on the Richardson industry in injury in general? And then what are your thoughts on the replacement Minshew? Yeah, I don't love that he's uh, had a lot of dings already in the first few weeks of his career here. I hope that's not foreboding to anything else that, you know, might be a, a regular part of his career. Hope for him, of course, you know, he gets a, a nice, long, healthy career. And for the teams that I've got, certainly uh, very excited to see what he can do now that, you know, Jonathan Taylor is kind of back in the fold and see, you know, how he helps out. Um, I, I, I'm fine with Minshew as a, a short-term replacement. I think, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about him a little bit later with the find me a trade. Um, but ultimately I think he'll, he'll be fine. Uh, you know, kind of sitting in there for him for a few weeks, if that's all it is. Um, so yeah, I, I think they're in a good spot and they picked up a good guy to be able to, to back him up and be able to take over. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with that. Adam, are you on the same page or do you have a different opinion on this? Yeah, Richardson, like from a dynasty standpoint, I'm probably the least worried about just because um, the NFL these days does so much to protect the quarterback. Um, and I remember uh, Doug Drennan, guy who founded Pro Football Reference, he ran a study back in 2000, I think, um, titled Everybody Was an Injury Risk. And it looked at like the average starting quarterback over the previous 10 years played like 12 or 13 games a season, like starting quarterbacks were missing three or four games a year, which is crazy. Like you think about that now yeah. and the NFL, it was really impacting the quality of the product because you're, you're expecting to see a matchup between John Elway and Dan Marino. And instead you're getting a matchup between Bobby Brister and Jay Fiedler or whatever. It's, it's, <laughs> right. it's having a dramatic impact on the quality of the product. And so the NFL um, over the next five to 10 years implemented a series of rule changes and points of emphasis um, to, to really protect the quarterback. Um, and it's been startlingly successful starting quarterbacks now miss maybe one game a year on average. Um, and, and so Richardson, like, yeah, it sucks that he's been dinged a lot, but I know that he's going to have the full weight of the shield behind him going forward, keeping him healthy. I'm not as worried about him from a long-term perspective as some of the others. Um, it does, it, it has been a weird pattern so far. Um, but I'm personally not reading too much into it at this point. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you for dynasty's sake. I mean, a quarterback injury is never good. I don't want to say that. Um, but at the same time, there are worse injuries and it's pretty early in the season and early in his career. It doesn't seem to be like a massive MCL, ACL, like any of those kind of things. Obviously shoulders are bad for quarterbacks. I get that. But at the same time, I'm looking at this as a potential buy window on Richardson, to be honest. There's some teams that might have, you know, been lucky to be four and one after five weeks that didn't think they were going to be there that maybe got Richardson at the 103 or something in Superflex. And maybe you're looking at points and they're like, well, maybe I need to get out and, and do this. Not to say that he's, you know, with or without, sorry, without like any sort of risk or anything going forward, but he's not going to score points. And so my logic is maybe this is a buy window. I, I'm with you. I don't think this really means much at all for the long term. It just means he's out for four weeks. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it sucks, but it's not the end of the world. My brand pretty early on, like when I first got on fantasy Twitter, um, I quickly became known as the, the buy injured guy. Cause anytime anybody got hurt, I'm like, Hey, send out some offers. Cause there's, there's a pattern. If you watch, like if you graph dynasty ADP over time, or if you graph dynasty values, keep trade cut or whatever, there's a pattern. Like some guys, they get injured and their value goes down a little bit and it's fine. Like that's a total rational, reasonable reaction that's what should happen if a guy gets hurt he's worthless that not worthless but he's worth less than he was before he got injured <laughs> right right but sometimes and i don't really there's not 
I've never discovered any huge rhyme or reason to it, but sometimes a guy's value will just hit free fall. And for like the next month, it drops 40-50%. And what I know from looking at this for 15 years, um, when that happens, what's going to happen is two months after that, that value is going to rebound back to about 20% of where it was in the first place. Always. There's never any exceptions. Um, even if there's no positive news coming out about the guy, even if there's no... Um, like he's not even on the field yet. He's like the timetable hasn't changed. There's just this initial knee jerk reaction. And every time that happens, there's going to be a rebound. It's, it's the easiest way to quote unquote time the market that you're going to find. Hmm. So yeah, anytime a guy gets hurt, I'm always in dynasty kind of feeling out the owner. I don't want to, I don't want to like tip my hand and like look like a buzzard or whatever, but I always try to take the temperature of the room and see, like, is this a thing where the guy's starting to worry about Richardson? Is this, uh, or, or, you know, we're going to name some of the other names, any one of those names. Um, I'm, I, it's not that I'm buying them everywhere, but I'm checking everywhere to see if they have hit a buy window for sure. I completely agree. I think, I think you're doing it wrong if you're not doing it that way, right? Like, that's really the way to do this is that if you, if you're playing Dynasty, you should be playing for the long haul anyway. Right. You should be playing for the long game. And, and obviously winning is, is helpful and getting points and all of that is great. I get all that. But you should be at least checking the pulse. I totally agree. You should be at least sending an offer or sending a DM, whatever, and just saying, hey, just curious. Are you out on Richardson? Are you looking to make a move? Sometimes even just sending a blind offer is kind of like a nice way to start that. Just ice break. You can see if they counter or not. I mean, I, I don't mind doing that at all. And I've always done that. I know for my first year mm -hmm. in Dynasty, I really botched the, the startup auction that I was in. In my first year, it was my first dynasty and my first auction. And I was like, that was a bad combo. Um, but at the same time, it was one of those like, well, all right, let me see if I can get myself out of this. And I just started trading for every injured player. And I went worst to first, right? Because everybody was started started kind of selling things at a discount or what I thought was a discount. Now's the time to go. And on that note, too, these other players that we're talking about, right? We've seen some really big names, both at running back and receiver. I'll kind of bring them up together, but we can obviously talk about them separate. But Devonna Chan, obviously, is the big one for Miami. Uh, kind of came out of nowhere. I wouldn't say nowhere, nowhere. A lot of people did like him going into the season, but he wasn't expected to do what he's done. And then Justin Jefferson, who everybody expected him to do what he did, and he's now hurt also. So both Chan and Jefferson go on IR with different injuries in four weeks. Um, but I guess, Drew, what are you doing with Chan and Jefferson? Are you looking to buy those guys like we were saying? Are you nervous about them coming back? Are you nervous about them long term? What do you think? Uh, I've got Jefferson in a fair number of leagues and it, it'll still, it'll take a, a really good offer to get me to even think about doing anything with him at this point. And in leagues that I don't have him, uh, a couple of folks have posted in the chats, you know, go ahead and send your Jefferson offer, but it still needs to be a know, Jefferson. A godfather, yeah, yeah. A godfather type <clears throat> offer to, to make me move him at this point. You know, he's injured. He's not dead. So I think people are, are, are hanging on there. Um, HN is, is interesting. Um, I only have him on a couple of teams and I, I think I'm holding at this point. Uh, again, if I'm not getting something that I feel like was close to what the value was two weeks ago, you know, I don't see any reason to, to bail at this point. Uh, I think once we look at um, some of the, one of the trades that we're going to review here, that's going to be an interesting kind of a, a measuring stick for where things are now. But, um, but yeah, I, both those guys are holds for me if I have them. I would certainly go after. I think HN is a, an opportunity to get him on your team at this point, based on what mm -hmm. we're seeing from the chats. Um, so I would certainly send some offers there, or you know, like Adam said, kind of a put a probe out there and see what people are feeling. 
For sure. Yeah, and I only have 18 in a redraft league, so I don't even have him in yeah. any dynasty. And I'm with you. Like, I'm kind of looking to acquire. What about you, Adam? I uh, I have one redraft league I play with the football guy staff. I'm going for the three-peat this year. And nice. uh, I had Jefferson and A-Chan uh, were, like, my top two guys, and then they both went down back-to-back. Um, and, you know, I'm not worried about it. You look at the, the importance of um, – regular season weeks in redraft. And it's, it's very, very low. The average um, playoff week is about like 13 or 14 times as important as a regular season week in terms of hmm. how it moves your probability of winning a championship. So yeah, it sucks to lose them for four weeks, but the most likely outcome is that I'm going to lose the games. I would have lost with them. going to win the games. I would have won with them. You know, maybe I pick up one extra loss over the next four weeks, but it's very unlikely that that one loss becomes the difference between getting a six or a seven seed. Uh, and it's very unlikely that one loss becomes the difference between becoming a two and a three seed and any other seeding difference. It just doesn't matter. Like the yep. four seed, five seed, six seed, three seed doesn't matter. None of those matter. First seed, second seed, none of it matters. The only thing that matters is making the playoffs versus missing it and getting a buy versus missing the buy. And losing two of my best players for four weeks probably isn't going to impact that. So I'm just riding it out. I'm going to grab whatever I can off of waivers and hope I survive the best. And um, my big concern is, do they look like themselves when they come back? And as long as they do, I think I'm going to be just fine. Yeah. Um, I, I'm definitely going to be putting some offers out for A-Chan. Um, I don't know if it's a hot take or not. I think he's a top five dynasty running back pretty comfortably at. um so yeah i would i would definitely be paying big um and uh like with puka nakua where it's one of those things where are you really going to react to that small of a sample size and it's a question of well if you don't you're going to miss it and that's fine you can make peace with it and just say you know this is my chance I either buy now or i'm i'm probably going to miss the boat um and it's okay to miss the boat there's there's a million trades out there that you could be making at any given moment and 999,998 of them are going to pass you by <laughs> and that's fine. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm at peace with that, but I do think I'll probably shoot a shot or two over the next week or two. Just don't be the guy who waits four weeks right. until a Chan or Jefferson are coming mm -hmm. back and then makes the offer because even if it's a good offer, the other guy's just going to be pissed. Like, oh, you just wanted me to hold them on my roster for four weeks. And now that they're finally coming back, you want them? Like, no, it's if you're going to make it a tax for that. Guy, yeah. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> make it now. You can spare the roster yep. spot extra four weeks. If you if you wait, you're just going to piss the other guy off. So come in with a fair offer now. They might be moving. They might not be moving. But I think they'll at least respect that you were not trying to play the waiting game. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think there are two different things that I want to bring up here. And the first is uh, the the cost to acquire Jefferson versus A-Chan in Dynasty were vastly different, right? Jefferson yeah. was, you know, top five Dynasty asset in some leagues, you know, even in Superflex was way up there. A-Chan was not, right? So there could be some people in your leagues that are willing to sell A-Chan for less than what his value might be because they're still thinking, hey, he got injured early. They're going to find some other players. Like maybe there's some panic in a sense. He's the new name, the new face, whatever. If you think he's a top five dynasty running back, I don't necessarily disagree. Uh, but there could be somebody in your league that's like, nah, let me just get out now and take some profit and not worry about it, right? You, I think you can buy A-Chan at, at lower than his ceiling, easier than you could buy Jefferson, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm not sure. 
her. I'm just saying that's where my brain goes. The other thing that I wanted to mention, which I think is interesting, is going on IR is a good thing. Now you don't have to make that decision. Now you don't have to worry. Is he going to be 100%? Is he going to play on Sunday? And then he's a late scratch. And then there's all this back and forth. And he's not able to go in your IR slot, right? Like there's all these pros and cons to it. But in my mind, sit for four weeks. Get healthy. Get better. I don't need you right now. Like you said it perfectly, Adam. I don't need Jefferson right now. You know, I don't need him right now to win a, to win a game. I can get lucky and win by three points using somebody else. But I really want Jefferson in the playoffs. You know, I really want him to be healthy and ready down the stretch. So I'd much rather they go on IR and sit for four weeks and get fully healthy. And I think sometimes yeah, ironically, like don't see the positives. Right. Ironically, the one thing a guy's not going to do on IR is get hurt. Bingo. You know, it, yep. well, you hope so, anyway, that'd be really weird. But <laughs> in theory, uh, yeah. And, and there's always risks when they're reconditioning and getting back ready to play again. But like, say you have um, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson ranked pretty equally in Dynasty. I think that's generally the consensus. I, I pretty comfortably prefer Jefferson here. And, and and I might use this as an opportunity to offer Chase and see if I can get Chase flipped for Jefferson now that Jefferson's on IR for a bit. But, you know, say you have him pretty close and it's never a good thing for a guy to be sitting out. But like, I know Justin Jefferson's a much lower risk to tear his ACL over the next four weeks. Yep. Um, it, if he can, and we'll we'll kind of learn more about the injury over the coming weeks, if it's going to be something that's going to linger or if it's just going to be something where he just needs time and he's going to get right and he's going to come back like it never happened. Um, but like, I think a lot of times that can kind of be a blessing in disguise because other players are kind of wearing down as the year goes on and then this guy gets a chance to get fresh. Yeah, no, that's exactly where I'm at. And then the only other injury I wanted to mention was uh, James Conner, right? Kind of. I wouldn't say injury prone, but he's had a history of injuries and, and has been on the IR before. And now he's playing with Arizona, who I don't know how much they really have to play for at this point. And there could be a, a tank for Caleb kind of situation or whatever we're calling that to, to make it rhyme. But it just feels like maybe there's some chance where Connor comes back and is still worth doing. And maybe he's worth acquiring if you if you're short on running back. I just, I don't know. He's, it's a very different tier to me than the other three we brought up, but it's still detrimental to a lot of contending teams. I know, for instance, on on two different teams that I felt like I had a really solid roster, Connor was my RB3, you know, and I'm like, I think that's still got some good potential. Well, as an RB3, I'm not really worried too much about losing him either. Like, well, all right, fill in someone else and we'll be okay. Uh, Drew, what do you think about Connor? I know it's different than the other ones in terms of Dynasty, but are you buying or selling Connor at this point? Yeah, I mean, I would certainly want to add him uh, to my <laughs> roster cheaply if I can. I mean, he was already at a discount, right, because he's he's an older running back and it's a, you know, it's a rebuilding offense, you know, who knows when Murray's going to be back. So, uh, I mean, the guy was producing early on in the season, so I don't know why you wouldn't want to have him on your team if you have a chance to get him, you know, more reasonably now. So uh, for all the reasons that you and Adam have talked about, as far as, you know, taking the time coming back, um, if he's something that, if he's somebody that could give my team a boost in week 12, 13, 14, great, I'll take it. So I, I certainly am, am open to taking some some flyers there, especially if I feel like I'm a competitive team and I have a good chance of making the playoffs and making a run. Adam, what do you think Connor is worth now that he's injured? Like, what would you be sending to acquire Connor? It's hard to say because um, you know, and I was I I live tweeted I did a rankings update on on wide receivers a couple of weeks ago, and I tweeted through it, and you reach a point where everybody left is either somebody who's giving you short-term production right now, but has zero value insulation. Um, their value is just going to decline over time. Um, so, so like 
players on your roster kind of serve two functions. They serve as, as a means of production and then as like a, as a store of value. Um, and like a, a rookie, a young guy, Jackson Smith and Jigba, he's not really giving you much in way of production right now, but you know that if you need something, you can trade him for production today. If you need something a month yep. from now, you can trade him for production a month from now. He's a good store of value. Like the, he's a valuable thing that you can convert into production at any given time. Um, and then after you get to a certain point, like there's there's about 30 wide receivers now who are giving you both production and long-term value. And those are the really interesting guys. And those are the guys that it's, it's fun to kind of agonize over. And then after that, you get to a point <laughs> where like, either I can have production or I can have long-term value. And my thing is I want as many productive players as I need to fill out a lineup and no more. Uh, because James Conner on your bench is just a, a value losing asset. He does nothing for you. He's he's the points aren't going in your lineup, so they don't they don't exist. So he's just a guy who's losing value day after day after day after day. So trade him now because he's going to be worse worth less tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so if I'm a team where I've got you know like if I have one good running back and I need a little bit of help there. Like, yeah, I might kick away some of my prospects. I might kick away, um, I don't know, like a, a Traylon Burks or somebody who like, maybe I'm kind of starting to sour on and I'm starting to worry about, but he's still got a little bit of that long-term value. And maybe I might cash some of that in for some cheap short-term production. And I don't think you're going to get any cheaper production than Connor. Although I wouldn't, this is one, I said earlier, like if you're going to trade for a guy trade right after he gets injured, rather than waiting till he comes back, I think Connor's the opposite mm, because yeah. if you're trading for Connor, you just specifically want the points and so much can happen. Like if, if Amari DiMarcato comes out over the next two weeks and plays awesome, Connor's not getting you any short-term production. Arizona's going to stick with, you know, Keontae Ingram or Amari DiMarcato because they don't, you know, they're not playing for this they don't year. Care. Yeah. Right. So I don't want to trade for Connor today only for the next three weeks from now to realize like, oh, actually, he's not getting me any short term production. But yeah, if if four weeks from now, Arizona's other running backs haven't really done much of anything and Connor's coming back and Connor's going to be the guy, um, then yeah, sure, trade something, someone with speculative long term value just to get a few extra points in my lineup. Um, if I need them, but otherwise, if I'm, if I've already got a starting lineup, then I'm just not interested in Connor. He's a good player. He has value. He just doesn't have value to my team. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think would you would probably still send a third for Connor or something, right? I mean, like, is there any value I in don't that know. or no? No, I mean, I don't know. No, probably not. Cause you can get something better than that for, for right. a third that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if he's not going to put any points in my lineup, then the question is, which is going to be more valuable at the end of the year, Connor right. or the third. Um, and the, the nice thing about thirds, um, a, they don't get hurt again yep. and B, they don't take up a roster spot. Yep. So, no, and we always say thirds get deals done too. Like there's sometimes where you're just a little gap, a little difference. And, you know, maybe you send an offer and they counter with a third. If you don't have that third, that counter might be something more, right? Like that, that can kind of get messy too. So I love having those in my back pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a pretty good coverage of the injuries. I wanted to spend a little time on that cause those are all pretty big ones. Uh, on the other side of that coin, we had some really big weeks from receivers. I know DJ Moore and Jamar Chase both blew up. I know George Kittle had three touchdowns also. So a lot of really big fantasy scores. I love seeing that. I think that makes this game so much more fun when you see some of these dominating scores, especially DJ Moore on Thursday. I thought that was great. Like nobody saw that coming. And it just kind of 
whether you're facing him or not, it's almost like this. It just puts this whole like excitement on Sunday, you know, because like, well, now either you're way ahead and you just want to dominate or you're way behind and you need to dominate. Right. <laughs> so like it just makes it really exciting. And I, I just wanted to at least mention those two guys as to kind of cleanse our palate from the injury talk. Uh, but was there anything else since we're kind of heading into our look back at week five, anything else from week five that you want to kick around there, uh, Drew, that you think stood out to you or that kind of makes you happy, I guess, to play this game? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, yeah, it was fun to see all the Zach Moss tweets and see people uh, yes. sending screenshots of either I started him still or uh, I was facing somebody who had him and then they started Jonathan Taylor instead of him. Uh, so that that was fun to watch. And I, I think, you know, if that's kind of his last big week, what a way to to go out for this portion. Um, but, yeah, that was probably the biggest thing that I was looking back on is, uh, you know, people either hit big or missed big on on that kind of a decision when Jonathan Taylor was coming back. <laughs> yeah, I started Taylor a bunch of places. Uh, I benched Moss in one league and man, that that lost it for me. You know, like I wish I had started him, but you can't go back. Right. I just thought Taylor might have a, a good role coming in after getting paid. But. Again, apparently not. Anything for you, Adam, that you look back on week five and kind of go, man, that was awesome, or anything that you're upset about even? Yeah, so I have in in my one of my dynasties, I have Dallas's defense and San Francisco's defense, Ooh. and I just added them at the end of last year. Um, normally, I don't carry defenses during the offseason, but I'm like, I kind of like these ones, and, and I was in the championship game too, so there was not like a chance to cut defenses. So I needed at least one defense for the game, and I'm like, I'm just gonna keep, I'm Ross from both and see what happens. And then we come into this year, and they're just looking like phenomenal, and I'm like, that's it. I'll just I'll just ride these two, and the match matchups line up really well. And I was really looking forward to week three and week four because I'm looking on the schedule, and we've got the Cardinals coming to town. These tanking Cardinals with mm-hmm, nothing to play mm-hmm. for. Kyler Murray hurt and I'm like licking my chops. I'm like, this is going to be so great. We're just going to smash. And like for four weeks, Dobbs did not like, he's never turning the ball over. He's never taking any sacks. Like, what is this? What is going on? Like, are the Cardinals finally, you know, like is the Cardinals offense kind of for legit? Like they, they faced the the Cowboys and they faced the 49ers. And I don't think they turned the ball over once between them, maybe took like one sack. And I'm like, all right, well, that was just a bad beat. I thought that they were a bad offense, but actually, no, they're kind of feisty. And then week five comes along. They cough three times against the Bengals and they take three sacks. And I'm like, where was this the last two weeks? Now yeah. it's the Cardinals <laughs> offense we were all expecting. And so that, yeah. that was one yeah. where just when I'm like starting to think like, hey, maybe the Cardinals or something. No, no, they go and they uh, where was this two weeks ago? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so that was pretty funny because I was starting to get I was actually starting to get kind of interested in Josh Dobbs, too, because I'm like, if he mm. keeps playing like this when Kyler comes back, I don't really see how the Cardinals can go away from him because he's just he's not as explosive and as exciting as Murray was. But that offense was just it was holding together with him under center in a way that it often didn't with Murray. And he was taking really good care of the football. You know, they weren't getting behind the sticks. They weren't making a lot of negative plays and. Uh, so I'll be very interested to watch him over the coming weeks and see which is the real one, the guy who was looking poised and in control against two of the toughest defenses in the league or the guy who just like completely mm-hmm. fell apart against the Bengals. No, that's a fair point. I think the Cardinals are an interesting story too, because like I said before, like, are they tanking? Like, I, it just feels like they're not, but they should. And like, 
maybe they can't really do it outright because they they're a professional team and they have players that want to win. Like it just they're they're kind of in that neither world. I just wish they would pick a direction, you know. Well, like the players are never tanking because of course I mean it's never in the players' interest. Like your contract next year is based on how you yeah. play this year. They're playing yep. for money, right? Nobody's yep. gonna. Oh, hey, it would be to your benefit if I played really poorly. Sure, I'll sacrifice all of my future career earnings so that you can get a moderately better draft pick. That's absolutely something. Yeah, and then cut me. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. they, yeah, I'm not even going to be on the team. Yeah, like what the right. hell? Yeah, no. And you're so playing. So the players are always the players are always going, and especially like a first year coach. Like I think he kind of wants to prove, um, yeah. especially with kind of all the all the stuff he took over the off season that you know he wants to prove that he, so. I think that maybe people at the top of the organization would not be opposed to losing some games, but I don't think anybody who has any actual control over what happens on the field is in any way interested in losing. Right. Right. I I completely agree. I just feel like it's interesting because we usually, I feel like lately, maybe this is just a, it's a feeling, not a fact, but I just feel like (laughs) lately we have these teams that are pretty obviously trying to tank. Right. Uh, I feel like we've seen that the last five or six years, even maybe where there's this stud quarterback, like the Bengals when Joe Burrow was around. Right. And we saw Tua obviously tank for Tua and all the like different things like this coming along. Right. And I just feel like the Cardinals are, are kind of just, they're that, you know, ninth place team in your dynasty league that just can't lose enough to really get that top pick and get better, but can't win enough to do anything with it. They're just in that neither world, which is kind of fun to be and fun to see. Uh, my only surprise, my only, one of my, one of my surprises, I should say, from week five was Dallas Goddard finally showing up. I thought that was nice. I've got a lot of Goddard chairs and have been disappointed, I guess is the word, this season. Haven't really been too excited. And obviously, Kittle with his three touchdowns was on three catches, was the number one tight end of the week. But Goddard was number two, and I'm pretty happy with that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's about time we saw that come around, uh, you know, catching 117 yards and a touchdown on, on eight passes. I mean, that's solid. That's a good. That's a good outing. I don't think that happens every week. I'd love it if it did, but I don't think it's that consistent. And, and that offense is very much a spread around kind of offense. And you could argue Dallas Goddard is the third or maybe even fourth option sometimes on the field. So I was happy to see that. And obviously sticking with tight end too, like Logan Thomas, and again, on Thursday, having a great game. It was nice to see that. I feel like the that Washington offense is a little bit all over the place, but to see Logan Thomas kind of get some love and, and get a lot of looks was nice for the few teams that I have him on as one of those like, you know, fair end, last last of your tight end kind of spots. So that was kind of my love was the tight ends this week really showed up, and I was happy to see that. I mean, even Kyle Pitts, 87 yards for Kyle Pitts. Yeah. You know, that, that's not bad. I'll take that. That's that's how sad his season's been, where 87 yards is a hell yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> all right. But, yeah, I guess that, I mean, that's really just I wanted to, hi- to kind of highlight the tight ends because it was a I don't know, pretty good week overall. Anything else you guys want to talk about in week five that we haven't already covered? I know we covered a lot already. I think we're good. I think we're good. Awesome. All right. So let's look ahead to week six. Let's kind of pivot a little bit. Uh, Dynasty, again, being a long game, but it does come down to week to week, and you do have to kind of plan ahead. Uh, Buys this week are Steelers and Packers, so only two teams on a buy, but next week is brutal with six. Uh, But we got two teams on a buy. That's it. So you you just have the Packers and the Steelers. Not a whole lot of huge names there, like not a whole lot of, you know, massive fantasy points being lost, I guess. Uh, Packers have been kind of all over the place. Steelers, obviously, just all over the place as well. Um, but other than those two teams, I mean, there are definitely a lot of teams having to fill in gaps, like we mentioned with the injuries and things like that. Um, Adam, I'll kick it to you first. Is there anyone you're looking forward to seeing in week six as someone who you think might be breaking out or someone you think might be a good trade target before the, the season or before Sunday, I guess, kicks off? 
yeah, I don't I can't think of anybody who I feel like is like right under the radar and about to explode onto consciousness. I'm I'm um, a big Nico Collins fan. Mm. Uh, I feel like the book's a little bit out on him already. But um, one of my big things is that. So dynasty managers, we like to think that we're like that what we're we're making very complicated decisions that that our our opinions on players are based on this huge constellation of facts but in reality dynasty rankings it's like 95% just like age times production in their last <laughs> season yeah right like if a guy has 1200 yards and he's 25 years old he's going to be a top 10 dynasty receiver it doesn't really matter what you thought of him before the season like that's kind of how it shakes out um and so I like to use with that insight football guys does rest of season rankings that drop every Tuesday. Uh, and so my favorite thing to do with those is I like to load them up and uh, look for the guys who are um, kind of Pareto efficient, meaning there's nobody who's both younger than them and projected for more points mm. than them. The guys kind of on that frontier. Um, and I kind of see what kind of surprising names pop up. Um, and Collins's rest of season projection has cooled a little bit, but I think he's like wide receiver 20 projected for the rest of the year, which you add that to what he's already got. And you look at it and you're like, that's like a wide receiver 16 finish. Mm -hmm. Nico Collins is 24. He was, I think, like a third round pick. You know, he's got a little bit of draft pedigree. You know, Matt Harmon in reception perception was grading mm -hmm. his first couple of years and said he was playing pretty well those first two years. You put all those things together, you add that to a wide receiver 16 finish. Collins is probably like the number 16 dynasty receiver after the season, if that's all true. If And, and if you know, happens. maybe it's not. Right. Maybe maybe the rest of season projection is wildly optimistic, but he's looked great so far. Stroud looked great so far. We'll see how teams kind of counterpunch against the Texans. Um, but that was my big one where, like, kind of looking in my crystal ball, looking at how things look right now. I think Nico Collins has a lot of rising to do up the dynasty boards. And I'm actually, I, I just logged on. I'm going to check, um, keep trade cut and see where he's at right now. Um, Cause I kind of curious how much of that rising is already done and how much is still yet to come. Yeah. That's um, actually a good question too, is how much does he have left to rise? If you're going to acquire him now, are you going to be acquiring him at a ceiling or does he have more to rise? I think that's a fair question. I mean, he is wide receiver 11 on the season. So I think there's a lot of people in Dynasty, especially that are very reactionary, especially on keep trade cut. So I'd be curious to see that as well. I mean, when you get it together there. But um, I, I'm with you on Nico Collins. I think that I stupidly traded him away in the preseason. And uh, that would be a control Z trade for me for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Like Ugh. looking back, how cheaply, oh how cheaply people could have gotten yeah. Nico Collins and DeAndre Swift off of me. Yeah. Um, like I was offering DeAndre Swift for like any I, rookie second. I was out on Collins, Collins for any yeah. rookie, rookie third. And it's not that I didn't like him. It's just, I had other guys and it's like I was saying with yep. James Conner, where like if a guy's on my bench, um, I, I, I don't want to have a lot of value at risk. And, and I feel like this was a make or break year for Collins, but it looks like he's making, so keep trade cut. Mm -hmm. He's risen substantially in the last, but he's still only wide receiver 28. Okay. Um, okay. and I think that like, you know, I think he's got a lot of room to rise from there still. Well, and Stroud um, seems to be the real deal. I think that's a big part of this. It's not, I wasn't sure what to expect with Stroud and a rookie and all that. I think Stroud has silenced all of my critiques and has been very, you know, better than I expected, better than a lot of people expected. Um, and that obviously helps Nico Collins, right? Yeah. Yeah. I thought Stroud um, and 
Bryce Young. I preferred Young in rookie drafts this year, but I'm like, Stroud's really close. Um, and he was going like a round later than Young. And I'm like, I don't get that. I don't get people preferring that strongly one guy over the other because mm-hmm. it's, we just don't know until it's we can going, see yeah. the guys on the field. Yeah, so like, unknown. First pick for second pick in the draft. We just don't know. Uh, So I I drafted Stroud, um, but then I wound up trading him before the season. Um, And I I got a good deal for him. And I I recognized it's a risk. Like, I like Stroud a lot more than the market. Like, yeah, maybe I'll wind up regretting this. But I feel like when you're trading, you have to to be comfortable knowing that, like, sometimes it's not going to work out in your favor and you just got to do it anyway. I know we've talked about yeah. that with some other guests on the show too, where, you know, they're, they're not as big a fan of trading because they're afraid of that regret. You know, there's that future FOMO that they don't want to have. And it's like, <clears throat> you can't really be afraid of that. You just kind of have to lean into it and you're going to make a bad trade. I know Russ who, who on trade addicts is always talking about this too. Like when you make a bad trade, you know how you fix that. You make another trade. Like you just keep, honestly, you can't sit there and worry. You can't not move your team around either. I feel like the worst thing you can do is just have your team be stale and stagnant. Like you've got to try to make moves where you can Go with your gut, that kind of stuff. That's that's all smart. Drew, what about you? You know what I, weeks? I was about to say? You know what I'd call someone who wins 100% of their trades? A liar? A bad tra- it's a bad trader. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Because well, either, either you have a crystal ball and you can see the future, in which case you're not trading enough, right? right. If, you're, if you have that big of an edge, you're not trading enough. Or else you're only taking these like slam dunk, like somebody's tanking and on the way out of the league. And so as a, as a F you to the league, he offers Justin Jefferson for Marquez Valdez Scantling or whatever. But <laughs> like, Oof. if you're, if you're a 90, 10 trader, if you're winning 90% of your <sighs> trades and people start coming with you with like 80, 20 offers, like taking those 80, 20 offers will decrease your, your average, but also like that's huge profit. 80, that's 20. Still a good deal. Once, yeah. yes. once you're making the 80, 20s, then the 70, 30s come along and that's still a great deal. And, and I think you finally hit your sweet spot as a trader when you're able to identify in advance, like this is a 60, 40 deal. There's yeah. a 40% chance I regret this. And I'm okay with that. Like yep. it, 60, 40 is a great deal for me. But if you make a lot of 60-40 deals, there's going to be a lot of deals that you regret in your mm-hmm. hindsight. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Drew, what are your thoughts on that? And then any, anybody you're looking forward to? In yeah. I, I think if you get a reputation of somebody who only takes 90-10s or 80-20s, you're going to also cut yourself out of so many of those 70-30 and 60-40s sure. that could get you something really good down the road. So I, I, that's something I've had to adjust to as well, because I think I've always wanted to try to overanalyze and you know feel really good afterwards. And you know, I, I, I missed uh, an opportunity this season. I, I had a, a buddy of mine in the league that was trying to move off of Jamar Chase early on, and he was offering me Chase and Waddle and Javante for Jefferson and I think T. Higgins and maybe a smaller piece. Ooh. And uh, in hindsight, I should have taken it. You know, I, I wish I could go back. And, and that was one where I, I got stuck on Jefferson because I love Jefferson. But if I had been more objective, I, I should have looked at the value and the opportunities for one of those three players to hit versus one of the two of Jefferson continuing and you know, any given Sunday, somebody can get hurt. So yeah, I think that's something that a lot of us could get better at is, you know, even if it's, you know, a a slimmer margin. Yeah. When you look at day traders, right. So many times that the stock market is um, compared to fantasy trading, fantasy trading and very easy the margins. (laughs) Yeah. The margins don't have to be huge for you to be a successful trader. Um, You've got to make enough of them though, where your wins outweigh your losses and, the other part is just remember this is fun too, right? Unless this is literally how you make your money. 
you know, you're going to have more fun seeing what happens and, and learning from the outcomes than you are sitting on your hands, you know, hoping that something turns in a direction that you have zero control over. So go out and make some offers, have some fun with it. But, um, Love it. But yeah, as yeah. far as, uh, yeah, things I'm looking forward to this week and week six, uh, I'm just excited to be able to fill out a full, full roster this week. I'm not looking forward <laughs> to week seven. Uh, somebody put out a tweet yesterday that said, you know, go ahead and set your week six lineups and, you know, try to look ahead 10 more days and, you know, try to fill out your week seven with the roster that you've got and, and try to make some moves now, you know, whether it's, you know, incremental things that just get you some points if you're a contender or, you know, just be prepared for what that week seven is going to look like if you're not. So, um, but yeah, I did not make any big moves so far, or any big waiver claims. Most of the leagues that I'm in, people have already scooped up some of the guys that I was looking at. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to week six, hoping that I sneak a couple of uh, wins out. And then I just kind of looking forward to week seven and making sure that, the leagues that I really want to, you know, secure a win in, I'm, I'm making moves now that maybe some other folks aren't thinking about. Otherwise, um, you know, let's let's have some fun this next couple of weeks. Heck yeah. No, I'm with you on that. And I think it's interesting, too, to, to do that look ahead and like see the schedule and see what buys are coming up. I know I had a couple of leagues where I had, you know, five players on buy where I had like Mike Williams and Tyler Lockett and Keenan Allen. And I was like, man, how am I going to win with all these guys out? And I dominated. I just got lucky. Right. And so I think sometimes we focus a lot on those players are missing and injuries are kind of like this too. But I mean, again, it is somewhat a weekly game, right? You still have to go in and set a lineup. You still have to pick players that you think are going to win and do well. And that's where having depth can come in very handy. But at the same time, getting some of these buys out of the way early, right? Now Keenan Allen becomes, and, and Mike Evans and these other guys that have already had their buy become a little bit more valuable, right? Because now they're going to be available those weeks down the season when you might need them. So there's some ways you can maybe play those margins and trades too. And Anything, anything makes a difference, especially in trade talks. When someone's asking for a player and you're looking for somebody like, well, here he has buy. I have that happen to me all the time. And I'm like, oh, fair. That's a good point. I don't care about that. But I guess that's, you know what I mean? Like it's dynasty. I don't really care. But it does matter, right? It does come into play. So I think it's interesting, too. This week has only got two buys. And next week we have six. So that's going to be... That's going to be a fun storm. And I love yeah. those weeks. It happens every year, though, right? Yeah, every year you look ahead at the schedule and it's like, you know, how much do you really want to take that one week? And I appreciate Adam, you know, sharing the difference between the regular season weeks yeah. versus the impact that the the later weeks have. And um, yeah, <clears throat> capitalize on that. If you got some guys that are freaking out because, oh my God, I have six holes in my roster, gain some long-term value there if you can. Yep. I had a team last year um, where in the draft, I kind of stacked week nine buys a little bit, which I like to do sometimes because because um, sometimes you can sneak out a win, even with shorthand. Mm -hmm. Like all you need is like one huge blow up game. People kind of overrate how how hard it is to win with a shorthanded roster. It's fantasy football is wildly, wildly random, like far more than we would like to give credit. Um, but so I kind of stacked week nine buys a little bit. Um, and that was the week San Francisco was on by, but I kind of had some outs. Um, I had, you know, some good players to cover it. And then like my top quarterback who did not have a week nine by went on IR and then Christian McCaffrey got traded to the San Francisco 49ers. He was like my big Trump card because Carolina did not have a week nine by mm -hmm. traded to San Francisco. They do have a week nine by, by the time week nine rolled around, I had so many players on IR and then McCaffrey had been traded onto a week nine by, and I, I literally had to start two players it was it was either like i either cut like a good productive long-term player um who's gonna help me a lot for the rest of the season to to get like a nobody to like fill in and get me six more mm -hmm. points this week right. um so i had to i just took two zeros just straight out yeah. like i started two players who were on ir 
Cause I'm like, I literally do not have enough bodies on my roster to fill out a starting lineup. Um, and I got rolled. I mean, I, I joked that like, you know, like, Hey, maybe I'll pull it out, but no, never no, know. no. I, yeah. I got absolutely rolled and it was fine. It's one loss. Uh, you know, like I finished the season with, I finished three losses on the season. Part of the reason I only had three is because all my buys were on that week. Yep. So the rest of the year, mm-hmm. I've got a full strength squad and everybody else is missing like one player, two players. Yeah. Um, so it all kind of evens out in the end. I really don't mind unless it's like um, like a season long best ball kind of thing, like a total points right. best ball. Um, where there you really don't want to stack buys because you're you're really sacrificing a lot of points. That zero hurts a lot more. Yeah, right. Right. But in an actively managed league, like, sure, I'll eat the loss today and I'm pretty confident I can make it up somewhere else down the line. I completely agree. Yeah. And I, I love stacking buys if I can. I don't generally like aim for that, but I also no. don't avoid it. Right. Where I'm not like, oh, no, I've got two players with a week nine buy and I shouldn't have a third. I don't care. Just put them on my team. We'll figure it out. Also, week nine is forever from now in my mind. Like, I got lots to trade and changes can happen like I don't worry about any of that. Right. Even if I'm in a couple leagues that are just not active at all. Right. Like my home league, nobody trades with me anymore because they all feel like I'm trying to get one over on them. Right. And I'm just like, no, man, I'm just trying to trade. Like, I just like trading. I'm not trying to screw you over. Like, what the heck? But yeah, I've won a lot of those titles. And so some of the guys are like, I don't care what it takes. I'm not trading with you. I don't want you to get another title. Like, Okay. That's fine. Um, but at the same time, it's like, well, then don't trade with me. That's fine. I'll, I'll still win it anyway. You know what I mean? Like, it's just kind of fun. But ultimately the whole point of this is the, these, these middle weeks when buys start to hit are when I think managers can really show their muscle and you can kind of start to see who's really caring, who's really paying attention. You can start to separate the men from the boys, so to speak, right? Like if you're coasting and not really paying attention and I've had a couple leagues even where I've seen people starting guys on buys already. And I'm like, we're, we're in week five and you're not even paying attention to buy weeks. Like I, I'm in a ton of leagues. I get it if you miss one, right? But, but I know you're in one league and this is it and you're not paying attention. Come on. So, yeah, buys are kind of interesting, and I think we're going to see it uh, as we go through the season. I think it's going to be exciting to see how this works. And with these IR players we talked about, and there's going to be other injuries, you know. And one thing you said too, Adam, is there is a lot of luck in this game. Anybody that tells you that they've got it figured out and that they can do anything they want to do is lying to you. The luck factor, though, at the same time, makes this game fun. If it was too predictable, none of us would do this. If it was like, oh, well, my, my predicted score is bigger than yours, so game over. What's the point of that? Like, what are we doing here? Like the whole point of this is to go with your gut and to like play your matchups and like play for upside and all that. Like if there was no luck, that would be terrible. This game would suck. It would be, it would be so boring. So as much as people want to claim, you know, bad luck is ruining their year. It's ruining everybody's year. Get over it. You know what I mean? Like everybody's dealing with injuries. Everybody's dealing with bias. You're not unique. You know what I mean? Like, come on, let's just, we're all playing the same game. So I have a question. I, I'll, I'll let you guys guess. What what percentage of the time do you think the higher seed wins in the playoffs in Dynasty? Uh, 60%. I think it's just over 50%. Yeah, it, it is. It's it's like 55 to yeah. 60%. Um, and that's like people need to grapple with that. You have a yeah. dominant team. You're the number one seed. You've coasted the whole way. All right, let's do some math. You got that by. Mm-hmm. You got a 60% chance of winning the first game. You got a 60% chance of winning the third game. Multiply those together. You got about a one in three chance of winning the title this year. Mm-hmm. Your dominant team armed with the buy is twice as likely to lose than to win. Like, I love that, though. 33% game. I like those odds. Like, that sounds oh, great. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you can kind of tell the people who've like grappled with that where they're like, like, I'm probably not going to win, but that's okay. Like I'm at peace with that. And that's, that's what's important that, that yeah, there's a ton of luck in fantasy football and you need to be at peace with that. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can't mitigate it. You can't, this is just not the hobby for that. Right. Like if, if, if you need to have that control, this is not the hobby for you. Um, But if you make peace with it, you know, and, and, and you're not like blaming yourself for, for, or, or, <laughs> or you can even like laugh at the mistakes. Like I, I one time had an undefeated season. I took it into the championship game, 15 and no playing week 16. Um, and I had written an article two weeks prior about how players actually score more points in weeks. They're on the bench than they do in weeks. Mm. They're in your lineup, <laughs> which is true. That's a hundred percent true. And if you don't believe me, you can look at your own leagues and you can check and, and players score more points on the bench than, than in your lineups. And a lot of times we try to play matchups um, and we kind of overestimate the impact of defenses and, and we lose points in the process trying to play matchups. So I write that article two weeks later, I have an undefeated team heading into the championship game and I've started Travis Kelsey every single game of the year. This is 2015, I think. And um, I started him every single game of the year. My backup is Julius Thomas with the Jacksonville Mm. Jaguars. They're facing the New Orleans Saints. This is a defense that has set records for like yardage allowed, points allowed, defensive futility. And I'm like, I know I shouldn't play matchups, but this defense is just so bad. And Julius Thomas has been playing well. So I benched Kelsey the only time all year. Mm. Julius Thomas laid an egg. Kelsey had a monster game. I lost an undefeated season. For doing the thing that two weeks earlier I had written, like, don't do this thing. And and at the end of the day, like, I play fantasy football because I want a good story. <clears throat> if I had won that game, I would never talk about that season again. You know, every once in a right. while I might bring it up. Oh, yeah, one time I, I managed to do the 16-0. Yeah. and And that's really cool. I've never done the 16-0. and I would like to get a 16-0 and one of these days. Um, and that's the closest <laughs> I've come. That would be cool. But... Like it's it's a much better story the way it actually played out, and I'm at 100%. peace with that. Well, it's like you didn't even read your own article. That's great. Like, yeah, <laughs> like I knew better. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, I'm giving you advice. Well, it's yeah. that predictable, predictable irrationality, right? Right. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Just because we're you know like like these fantasy analysts, fantasy experts, like we're just as prone to the same yep. mistakes everybody else's i'm writing as much for my sake as for everyone else's and i listen to me as much as everybody else does which yeah. is mm-hmm. you know occasionally but mostly not yeah no i'm with you on that i think something else that's interesting in in terms of like since we're on the topic of playoffs and luck and all this i mean there are lots of times i know i think we all do this right where somebody blows up on your bench so you start them the next week and they do terrible and so you bench them again and they blow up on your bench I, this happens over and like wash words repeat like this just <laughs> is a common thing. And I think that's exactly what you're seeing there is that we're, we're reactionary as humans, Chasing as fantasy players, as whatever. Yeah, just, oh, well, they used him like this last week. So therefore, I know how they're going to use him this week. We can't do that. We can't know that. I mean, DeAndre Swift in week one had zero carries, right? I don't even know if he dressed for the game. And then week two, he comes out and dominates with like, what, two touchdowns and 180 yards or whatever. Like, we, we don't know. And that not knowing is what makes this game so exciting and so enjoyable. And, and those losses are much more memorable than the wins. I can yeah, tell yeah. you so many more losses that I remember than the titles that I won. When I win the title, I'm like, okay, great. That was fun. I get the money. I get the title. I get the belt, whatever. But it doesn't stick. You know what I mean? Like that memory doesn't hold. But those losses where I lost on Monday Night Football because Gus Edwards ran for six yards, 
I will never forget that. You know what I mean? Like that is in, in a week six matchup. You know what I'm saying? Like it didn't even matter. It just, those are the ones that stand out because again, that's how our dumb animal human brains are set up is to, to kind of focus in on the negative sometimes. But with that, I guess that's a pretty good coverage of week six and the playoffs. So thank you for that, Adam. That was well done. Uh, we're going to move into some listener league updates. We had one trade this week that I did want to talk about because it involves Devana Chan uh, that we were talking about before. Uh, this is in Dynasty Junkies 1. No, I'm sorry. Dynasty Junkies 2, I think, was this one. Uh, yeah. Dynasty Wazoo sent James Cook, Rashad White, and Jacoby Myers to the Laughing Lizards in exchange for Devana Chan and Christian Watson. Drew, I want to kick it to you first. I think you and uh, you're in this league with Josh, right? You guys co-managed yeah. the team for the timeline. Yep. Uh, what did you think of this trade when you saw the email come through? Man, um, I, I would have loved to have gotten the A-Chan and Christian Watson side. Same. I think that Yeah. this is one yeah. of those where I, I, I had to do a double take. I'm like, holy crap, did he lose that much value that quickly with this single injury? Um, so good for good for Dynasty Wazoo. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I agree entirely. And I saw this and I thought my for my first thought was, Devana Chan, Christian Watson. Did I miss a name on the other side? Like, is there somebody like, I just feel like I'm there's, there's someone there. Like I, I know a lot of people are really high on James cook. I get that. I'd rather have a chain over cook hands down. And then Jacoby Myers and Rashad white for Christian Watson, hands down Christian Watson. Like, I don't know if this was one of those, like, I'm just out on a chan. He's hurt. I'm done. I maybe we can get some, some love yeah. and some uh, comments. That should have been DMs. Devante Adams instead of J- Jacoby Myers to make that. Well, so this is Wiggins. He's actually, he's in the chat. And I was curious if he was going to stick around. So this is Matthew Wiggins with the trade. So I am curious in general, you know, what was going on with this one, but I don't want to beleaguer it too much, but we'll, we'll figure it out and get back. But I'm just looking at this. Like it seemed like a smash except on the chan side. Adam, would you agree? I'm sure. Right. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Like, what's the deal with Rashad White? Are we still on on Rashad White? I, I'm like, is this a name that's like, I was looking at it too. And I'm like, is this a piece where like, if you add White, I'm like in, I don't know. I feel like if I think about it, like every player has value, obviously there's nobody who's just not worth rostering given the right format or whatever. But I just, I, White is a guy who I think the shine is pretty much off for me. Um, and then honestly, I might like Myers more than white at this point. Um, just cause I mean, again, I'm looking at like, he's projected wide receiver 15, the rest of the way. Um, they've kind of got like an AJ Brown, Devonte Smith thing going on in Oakland where it's just the two guys and those two guys are killing it. And Myers is 26 and like Myers, I get like, I'm, I'm kind of interested in Myers. Um, but yeah, I mean, Nothing there matches the sizzle of of A Chan. I mean, I I think those three combined for A Chan, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Well, and and this is where I, I asked in the chat. I'll see if Matthew replies. But I'm curious if he's just out on A Chan. That's the only thing that comes to mind. Is that I've seen some people on Twitter that are kind of like, well, that's his window. Like you know, he's he's hurt. He'll never be the same. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that he's probably still got a lot of value. I think he's fast as all get out and that team loves speed and he's young and he's got speed left. And yeah, he had a tweak of a knee. It wasn't that he needed, you know, anything crazy there. And he did respond. Matthew responded with this. And this is the other option. Need to get more wins with HN being out. And I think that this is one of those trades that on the face of it, again, value wise makes no sense, but Myers in your lineup is going to get you points for sure. Watson's been very hit or miss. As much as we like his upside, he's on buy this week, like we were talking about. So obviously he's not getting any points. So this could be one of those, like, I just need to get points on my roster. I get that. 
but I just feel like it's a little short sighted. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess I'm, I'm not quite on the same page as you hear Wiggins. Uh, I will say this too, and which was kind of pivoting into our next segment where we talk about the leagues, but DJ two is a very interesting league. It's a 14 team league. There's Andrew Ember is at the top with four and one as a record, but then there are eight teams, nine teams with three and two records, including the laughing lizards and Matt Wiggins team, including the fork and shirt balls, which is my team and Rocky and Scott. So there's just a big glob of teams at three and two. And I think maybe that's where, you know, Matt, Matt's looking at this like, I just need wins. I just need numbers. I need to separate myself from the group. I don't hate that logic. I just think I wouldn't give up that kind of value to get a win or two. I just feel like I'd rather play the longer game. But that's the other thing I love about this game. There is no wrong yeah. way to play it. There is no wrong answer here. And if you're yeah. feeling like those guys give you a better chance, hey, more power to you, Matt. I hope it works out for you. Other than the fact that I'm playing against you. I hope that it works out for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 14 teams start 11, so you have 154 players that are starting every week. So I yep. get that's know, a good point too. Starter. Yeah, I guess that answer is like the are do we care about Rashad White? Like, sure, in that format, yeah, absolutely. Rashad White, like, not only is interesting, but like, yeah, absolutely, he's even a starter and he's viable. And yep. and I like Myers. I'm I'm much higher than consensus on Myers. I, I was just looking up on Keep Trade Cut. They have a wide receiver 48. Like I'm absolutely buying at those Ooh. prices. Yeah. Cause, mm. cause he's projected football guys. He's projected wide receiver 15 going forward and he's 26. Yeah. So it's not yeah. like he's dust after the year's over. No, no, that's a good point. Yeah. And I think too, looking at the, the details of this and more, and I again, appreciate that context there, Matt. And he's adding a little bit more even here where cook is young enough for me. And I think there are some people out there that are really high on cook. Um, I'm just looking at this just based on value. It feels like you're, maybe giving a little bit away that you don't need to, but Hey, you know, to each their own, I guess that's the thing. You manage your own team. I say to people all the time, like, you know, I can't make every decision for you. This is exactly why it's your team. Go do it how you want. So I appreciate that, Matthew. Hopefully again, we'll see how this works out. We'll watch this as the rest of the season goes on. But if something happens to H Han and Watson and this trade ends up being amazing in six weeks, we might be looking back on this and going, man, what a great trade, right? That's what I love about all of this. We're all trying to spin this forward and we just can't. We don't know where it's going to go. Uh, with that, though, let's get to the other leagues real quick. DJ won. Uh, the team that Rocky and I share are four and three. Uh, Funky Bunch and Gators Bitches are both six and one and tied for first. We do some double headers in that league. Uh, every league's a little different because why wouldn't it be? That's how fun we have. Uh, but DJ three, our joint team where we all kind of manage together. And Drew, we got to get you in on that. Uh, we're three and two with seven <laughs> victory points, but we're only one victory point out from first, which is trading places. And in that, we do play some of the. Uh, you know, the median scores and things like that. So that's going to be a fun one too. So we're in the hunt in all three of these leagues, but it feels like that's where all of my teams are. It's kind of right in that middle ground. I don't have anybody really that's five and zero or zero and five. It just feels like a lot of my leagues are blah right in the middle. Uh, with that, let's get to our final segment of the night. And I would be remiss if I didn't play the audio because it's one of my favorite audios. And I think you guys listening know what I'm talking about. Find me a trade. Find Thank you, Mr. Brian Hart. I appreciate that. Let's find me a trade. So this one is submitted by Andrew Ember. Uh, I'll pull up the team here in a second. It is in the Tecmo Bowl League. Now, I got to be honest, Andrew is in a, one of our, I think he's in DJ2 also. But uh, yeah, he is. And he submitted this league back in April, if you believe it. And we were trying to get it on the show, but Rocky and Scott are both in this league. So there really wasn't a good time to bring it up because we don't want to do leagues where the other hosts are in on it because then the trades can get a little bit wonky. Uh, so finally, now that we've got Drew on the co-host share with us, we're like, all right, let's do it this week. So the team name is QB Sack. It is a 12-team Superflex PPR with a full extra point for tight end premium. So it's a 2.0 tight end premium, which is very heavy for tight end. 
Uh, start 11, QB, two running back, two receiver, tight end, four regular flex and a super flex. Uh, Andrew's thoughts on this. He mentioned some trades here, which I think are interesting, but he's currently in second place. He traded Pittman and the aforementioned Christian Watson for CeeDee Lamb. I love that trade. Then he traded the 105 and 205 for AJB. Love that trade. Then he drafted mm-hmm. Richardson at the 103. He just lost Richardson, so he's down to one QB with Goff. So he does need some QB and tight end help. But then he made another trade this week, actually, after we got the info. He ended up sending Hopkins in a second for Minshew, Jordan Mason, and Godwin. I love that trade. And he still needs tight end help and maybe has QB bridged for now until Richardson gets back with that Minshew thing there. So I had a trade on the sheet. I didn't know if you guys wanted to to kind of go into it at all. I can obviously I want to run through his lineup, but do either of you have trades that you want to bring up real quick or that you definitely yeah, have? I guess I'll bring up the sheet, but yeah, I, I, I looked at it a little bit here today and um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't realize that Minshew was a late ad. Cause yeah, I mean, he's got a second quarterback now that I think, you know, I don't think he has to go out and, and um, overpay to get somebody else. But um, yeah, so I was looking at standings and seeing kind of who's at the bottom of the, of the pack here and where he might have some opportunities to make some trades. And I, I see that we have taxi squads on this as well. So looking at players on uh, his team where he might be able to give up to somebody else that could take a future asset that they could maybe eliminate the points. Cause I think uh, I, I didn't look at the settings here, but I'm assuming a lot of us are in these potential points leagues, right? Where you want to make sure that some of your, your points, if you have them are, are sheltered a little bit. So um, I was looking at zigzag bow, which is a great name for Tecmo. And uh, <laughs> I think I, I had something here with, um, you know, depending on what his feeling is with Puka Nakua, right? And seeing the value that's there. He's a rookie that could go on taxi for zigzag bow. If you wanted to have a future, uh, a young wide receiver that you mm. could put on taxi um, and looking at the values of somebody like a Baker Mayfield and possibly uh, his old teammate, David Njoku as a tight end with a two, two point premium here. Um, something we mentioned earlier, David Njoku, I think has passed his by at this point, which means he would be, you know, available each week if you want to play some matchups. Um, so I was looking as, at that as one option uh, with zigzag bow getting some points off his board here. It looks like Baker and Mike Evans um, seem to be a thing. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for maybe somebody that has a little bit longer upside, or if you want to have a little bit more of a rotation until Richardson comes back, that was one that uh, I was looking at. If again, depending on he's deep at wide receiver, he's got some good, good names on there with the trades that he's made. So uh, again, a lot of it depends on how he feels about uh, Pukunukua in the long term if he wants to hang on to him or if you want to kind of cash in on what was probably a, a late rookie startup or a late rookie uh, draft pick or possibly even a, a waiver wire ad. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not even, my, my computer's running really slow, so I can't even get this thing to, to agree with me pulling it up, but I do want to run through some of his team here. I think that's actually a really good trade, but again, he did mention Jared Goff. He has Gardner Minshew. doesn't really have anybody after that running back. He's got Aaron Jones, Jordan Mason, who we mentioned, who might be something. Kyron Williams, Raheem Mostert, Kendry Miller, uh, Michael Carter. Uh, receiver, you mentioned Puka Nakua, Drake London, CeeDee Lamb, Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin, Jameson Williams, Chris Olave, A.J. Brown, like tons of receivers. I love his He's receiver. got Tutu as well. So he's got two Rams True. receivers. He's got, right he's got Tutu as well. Yep, yep. And then at tight end, it's Trey McBride, I guess, and Andrew Ogletree, mm-hmm. Donald Parham. Like, it's kind of weak. And then obviously Anthony Richardson and IR, and he's got Marvin Mims on taxi. So just to kind of backfill some of that, I like where your head's at, though. I think that going after Njoku seems like a pretty good idea because there is some logic in maybe Njoku not being, you know, a stud anymore or people kind of moving on from him in a sense. And 
maybe you could get him for cheap. But Adam, what do you think about that trade? And, and what do you think about Andrew's team in general? Maybe? Yeah. So I always like to, I mean, my, my fantasy Cohen is that like fantasy leagues are not won by the team with the strongest weakness. It's won by the team with strongest strengths. Mm. Uh, and so like you lose Richardson and it sucks. Um, but I kind of just lean into that. I, I would never make a negative value trade to just patch a hole in my lineup today. You know, if the value's there, I'm happy to trade for a quarterback. If, if I like what I'm getting more than I like what I'm giving, um, then I'm happy to trade for a quarterback. But like, I'm also okay, even in a super flex league, if I have to put a wide receiver in my super flex spot for a couple weeks until Richardson gets back, it's like I was getting that earlier that, that, Regular season weeks just aren't as important. If you're like one game away from elimination from the playoffs, then maybe it takes on a little bit of urgency. But but by and large, um, people overrate how likely they are to win, even with a suboptimal lineup. And they they overrate how likely it is an, an additional win or loss will make a difference in seeding. And they overrate so many things. And I, I always just advise people like kind of, live with the discomfort. It's okay to be discomfort. It's okay to be uncomfortable in week six. You know, yep. it's okay to be putting somebody in your lineup where you're like, I do not feel happy with this guy in my lineup, but nobody <laughs> feels happy. Everybody's got a guy in their lineup right now where they, where they don't feel happy. And, and like the guy who has like the best worst player, like that's worth maybe in three extra points in expectation compared to, the second best worst player, you know, like yeah. worst players just barely make a difference. Um, so I would, first of all, say that like, you don't need to make a trade uh, and, and don't feel if you, if you convince yourself that you need to, you're going to make a bad one. You, if you, if you need to make a trade, you're going to make a trade and it's probably going to be a bad one. Um, but if you're comfortable with where you are, you can look around and see if there's something that maybe makes sense. And my go-to in Superflex. Um, and it always evokes like the knee jerk visceral disgust every time I say it, which is why it's always my go to. But Daniel Jones, that's always the first yeah. name I look at <laughs> in Superflex because nobody likes Daniel Jones. Um, yep. You know, Giants fans don't really like Daniel Jones. He doesn't look he never looks all that good. He's got the big deal and people are already regretting it. And But the dude puts up points. He He's mm -hmm. one of the best running quarterbacks in the NFL and he does not get credit for that but he averages like seven yards per carry and like runs for 600 yards a year. And I'm looking at football guys, rest of season projections. We've got him at quarterback 13 going forward, you know, in a super flex league, like a, a borderline top 12 quarterback. Who's what is he? 26. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. 26 years old. And with a long-term contract, like if I did not say the name Daniel Jones and I just gave you those facts. Yeah. we got a 26 year old former first round pick who just signed a, um, a massive deal locking him in for multiple years. Now he's projected as quarterback 13 going forward. You'd be like, Oh yeah, that guy's probably like the eighth best quarterback in dynasty. Like that's probably the eighth quarterback off the board. And no, looking at uh, keep trade cut, he's quarterback 22. Um, he's just always so cheap for what he gets you. And I get why it is. But every time I'm playing super flex, I, I'm usually winding up with Daniel Jones because I take the guys who nobody else wants. And he's usually in my lineup. Actually, I had um, some guy made fun of me in for taking Daniel Jones, I think, in the seventh round of the super flex redraft league last year and then we met in the championship game and daniel jones hung 50 points on him 
was the number mm. two quarterback on the week. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah how do you like Daniel Jones now? Um, so that would be the first thing I looked at. And I was looking at the team um, that was also on zigzag bow set yeah. with Baker Mayfield um, uh, who's one in six. So perhaps looking to, to move on and maybe thinking yep. that like Daniel Jones doesn't have the long-term value that maybe he thought he did when he signed that big extension. And so he seems like somebody who should be gettable and not only that, but gettable for, about the fair market value based on keep trade cut fantasy calc, whatever your, your preferred measure of fair market value is. And I think the market probably underrates him just based on the fact that he, he puts points in the lineup and he, it looks ugly doing it, but points are points. Well, and I think on that note, he is QB 23 on the season. Daniel Jones is, but yeah. he's just ahead of Joe Burrow at QB 24, right? Like, yep. I, I mean, I hate to say it, but like, you're not wrong, right? There have been a lot of interesting things that have happened this year and a lot of things that are still left to happen. Uh, Daniel Jones has had a rough start. He's had a, a lot of, a few really rough games, but so did Joe Burrow, right? And I think some of these guys, we're through five weeks. We're not through eight weeks or 12 weeks. Like we still have a lot of season left. And I think you're on the right track here. There's a lot of people that are just done with Daniel Jones. And if I'm rebuilding, I don't want him on my team. Like I want out of it. You might be able to get him for less than market value. Like that's not a bad target at all. I think that logic makes some, some real sense. If you are looking to add a QB, I would look to add one as cheaply as possible. And maybe Daniel Jones is that guy. He's a starter. I, I have him in a few leagues. I don't love it, but I, I, it's better than nothing. You know, it's better than not starting a quarterback in that spot some weeks. So the upside's there for sure. I love it. I mean, yeah, he's getting, he's over the last two years, he's averaging seven and a half rush attempts a game, averaging five and a half yards per carry, uh, 40 yards a game rushing like that. When you're getting 40 yards a game rushing, points. you can, you can yep. suck as a passer. And like Tim Tebow was a top 12 quarterback in fantasy football. Tim Tebow was a top well, 12 quarterback. Daniel Jones is football. third on the season in rushing, third for quarterbacks right. in rushing. 197 right. yards behind Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts, just ahead of Justin Fields. Like, and he's only I, got, huh? <laughs> he's got two passing touchdowns so far, which is kind of what's keeping it down. But the, he's only got you know, one rushing. Exactly. It's the right. same logic. Like that stuff's going to come back. I'm with you. I think Daniel Jones is a pretty good addition. Again, you want to puke because you don't like him or whatever. I get it. But fantasy is not NFL. And there is a very serious chance that he helps your team a lot more down the stretch. So, again, I love the Daniel Jones call out. That was actually I wouldn't say it was one that I was thinking of, but I should have. Let's put it that way. That was a good call. Uh, I'll get into my trade again. We didn't get to a specific trade, but Andrew, you can come up with something. I'm sure uh, zigzag bow might even just take a pick for that. Like a second or something might be enough. You never know. I, I don't think it'd be enough, but you might try it. You never I'm know. looking. Keep trade cut says that a mid 2024 second. Yeah. Uh, it basically is, is worth as much as Daniel Jones and super wow. flex um, or an early 2025. Sec- I know that's what I'm saying. Like the, I get why people don't like Daniel Jones. Like I have eyes. I've watched him play. I'm not under the impression that he's like a world beater or anything, but I think people are just so biased against him because of that knee jerk that they're just ignoring the, the, the points that, so yeah, I, I think that it would probably take a lot less than one might mm. think. I mean, like, you might be able to, you've got so many wide receivers, you might be able to craft something around. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the ship has sailed on Sky more. There was that hype before the season that maybe we missed the window there. But um, I just think there's so many different paths to getting him for just way cheaper than anybody thinks. 
I completely agree. And on that note, even the trade that I came up with was using one of those receivers, because again, he does have a lot of receivers that have a lot of value. Um, and the other thing I remember when I looked at this team, again, there are some roster bubble type people on this team that I'd be happy to get rid of and, and kind of cut down to. And I think a lot of the tight ends, he's got six tight ends on this roster. And I'm not sure other than McBride, I want really any of them on my roster, even on my bench. So my logic was, well, let's go get a little depth. Let's maybe break up one of those receivers into multiple pieces that might have some ascending value and might get you some options. So my trade was uh, with the touchdown sweetness, which is Scott Connor, Dynasty and Chill. So get ready to negotiate like hell on this trade. But uh, you're going to be trying to send CeeDee Lamb and get Kyle Pitts, Tyler Lockett, and maybe Drew Locke if you can do it in return. Uh, I think Pitts, as much as he is a, a you know, I don't know, polarizing asset right now. There's a lot of people that paid a lot for him and are kind of on that train. And then there's others that are just all the way out because that offense just looks bleak sometimes and don't know what they want to do. I still think Pitts is a good buy low candidate right now. I'm obviously he's expensive, but if I can get Pitts and Lockett, those two guys in my mind are going to put up points pretty much all year. Pitts is a huge upgrade and I'm not sure Lockett and Lamb are very far apart in points this year. And then you adding something like a Drew Lock in a situation where you know, heaven forbid something happens to us. Locke might have some upside. So I'm looking at this like maybe it gives you some upside players. Tyler Lockett, obviously, at the end of his career. But I think Pitts has a lot of upside left. And it just solves that tight end problem. And in a two-point tight end premium league, I really, really, really want at least one tight end that I don't have to think about. And then I want to go get more because those points will add up quick. Uh, Kyle Pitts, even as bad as he's been, and we just mentioned him earlier, too, is having a good week. We don't know what his season's going to be like, but I'd much I'd feel much more comfortable starting Kyle Pitts than Trey McBride, you know, even in a two point or especially in a two point tight end premium. So I guess, Drew, what do you think about that trade and any other thoughts in general on Andrew's team here before we call it a night? Yeah, I I have a hard time giving up a top wide receiver if he's competing. Uh, I think I'm 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 looking to get more toward, uh, you know, the value side. So I'm looking at his. We mentioned like a, a Traylon Burks who's still young, who maybe you could get somebody to buy into the potential there. Sure. Um, That's a good point. Yeah. So I mean, Jamison I, Williams I is the same thing too, right? Jamison Williams same. got a lot of future value. Yeah. Yeah. So if Jamison Williams, I'm looking at weight, isn't this Madden, who's also a bottom of the barrel team here, who's kind of in the the bottom third. And they've got, um, what what does it realistically take to get a Zach Ertz and a Logan Thomas or even Dalton Schultz, right? If we're believers in, um, uh, God, why can't he? And Stroud, right? You get a yeah. piece of that offense where you think maybe you can get somebody that would thrive there. So, uh, you know, for the depth here, uh, I would love to get two of the three between Zach Ertz, Dalton Schultz, and Logan Thomas for the rest of the season. If you can do it for uh, a cheap wide receiver that you've got that, you know, maybe is younger and and somebody that's rebuilding wants to go go younger. And again, especially if you can get, um, you know, somebody who's in their first year or, I don't know what the rules are for taxi here. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would love to hang on to, you know, as a competitive team, I want CD lamb on my team. I want some of these big name wide receivers uh, putting points up for me. So uh, I struggled with even the Puka idea. You know, I I'm kind of um, I'm a little lukewarm on him long-term. So that's why I think, you know, I was hoping that maybe you could get a little bit more back for him, but if you got somebody that Jameson Williams, sure. I, I would absolutely trade him and, uh, see if I can get some more depth there. And uh, I like that point you said, Adam, as far as you know, the quarterback, you don't necessarily need to make a trade there. Yeah. Uh, if you've got the pieces to to fill in the super flex and 
there's been plenty of podcasts, right, where people argue the virtue of do you need two quarterbacks and super flex to start every week. So, um, yeah, if, if I can hang out to yeah. CD Lamb, I certainly would try. Uh, him and Tyreek, you know, they give you a win with Chris Godwin. Every get and AJ Brown, you know that that's a that's a pretty solid, pretty intimidating uh, group of wide receivers any given week. Yeah, and, and like sure. I said, yeah. I don't think you should. I don't think you should wreck a strength to shore up a weakness. I, I think you should lean into the strength. I I completely on board with. If I'm looking to sell a wide receiver, there, I'd much rather trade Sky Moore. Traylon Burks, uh, Jamison Williams, um, for like a cheap fill in, you know, like for the cheapest quality upgrade at quarterback or tight end, um, and, and leave the AJ Brown, Tyreek Hill, CD lamb. Um, and I, I love Olave and I love Puka. I wouldn't touch those five. I would, I would keep those guys and I would build around those, um, and I wouldn't wreck something that good just for for a, a short term fill in because Richardson's going to be back. You don't need a quarterback long term. No, I I think that's a fair take, and I like that I put up a trade that you guys both hated. That was great. This is great for content. I also think those kind of differing opinions are great for people that listen to this because again, there is no one way to do this, right? There is no right way. There is no wrong way. There is something where maybe Andrew's listening to this and listening to me and going, Andrew, you're an idiot. What are you doing? And he agrees with Adam and Drew on this. He's like, yeah, I'm not doing that. That seems like, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, so again, glad we were able to get into some of that. I think that's a pretty good coverage of Andrew's team. Again, thank you for being patient on that one, Andrew. I know you submitted it literally six months ago now, but we finally got around to it. I'm glad we were able to help you out. Um, I'd, I'd love to know what picks he has too, because you guys were talking about like thirds earlier, right? Like what, what would two, two and a third get you for a tight end upgrade where you feel like, okay, I have somebody that can maybe get me in a two point premium. You know, could two, two and a third get you to somebody a little bit more solid than just Trey McBride at this point? So it looks like he does have a first and two seconds and no third and a fourth. So it looks like he's got a first two seconds and a fourth are his picks for this next year. Yeah. I mean, what what does a second get you for, again, if you're trying to, to upgrade that tight end spot and feel a little bit better about that? and keep the core of your team together that, um, you know, is doing really well so far. Well, there's a chance that something like a second in Jamison Williams could get you Kyle Pitts, right? Like that, that's kind yeah. of where I'm at with this. Like that, you know, yeah. those are the kind of not a year Go ago, but right now you could, right. And that might make more sense instead of hurting your core, right. That's a fair trade. That's a fair option. Heck and again, yeah. these are, these are ideas. These are not by any mean, like the only thing you can do. And again, Adam, you started out saying it perfectly. I don't know if I would make a trade on this team, but it's hard for find me a trade to be like, nope, no trades found. You're good. Like we have to find something, right? You have to, uh. So that's so I looked up on um, yeah. I looked up on Fantasy Calc. Uh, they've got the trade database. Here are some Daniel Jones trades in Superflex Ooh. leagues that <clears throat> happened today, literally today, October twelfth. Uh, Daniel Jones for a second. Daniel Jones for Tank Dell and a third. Hmm. Uh, Daniel. I'm assuming Jones. these are all Superflex too, right? Yes, these are all super flex. Uh, oh, hang on, where to go? The the page just let me read. Hey, when that, that happens, um, yeah. and there, I mean, there are a lot of trades in this list that like I just flat out wouldn't do. I mean, there's some like weird, and there's a lot of quarterback for quarterback trades, which uh, you see that a lot in super flex where people are unwilling to give a quarterback unless they're getting a quarterback. Mm -hmm. yep. 
Um, uh, Daniel Jones and Gus Edwards for Josh Downs and a fourth. Um, Daniel Jones and Dallas uh, go there for a first and a second, a 2025 first and a 2024 second. Um, And that's in a tight end premium. Um, Daniel Jones for Rashad White. Daniel Jones for Brian Robinson. Daniel Jones for a second in 2025. Daniel Jones for two seconds in 2024. Mm. Uh, so again, we're on the right page there. I think if you could send right. a second to get Daniel Jones, that's and you got two seconds anyway. I think right. that's a fine trade too, and that helps your team significantly. This is one of those two where you could send a second for Daniel Jones and send Jameson in a second for a tight end that you like, right? You could kind mm-hmm. of use those. Are, I think late seconds too, especially your own second. You're looking yeah. to contend. You know that late second is going to be worth more as a second than it is as a 24th pick. You know, like getting it as a second now. And, and sending it is that might have more value than waiting. So I think you're on the right track there, Adam. I like where your head's at. Your trades were better than mine, guys. As I've said before, sometimes I find trades and they're not great, but it's great for content. And that's all we're looking for. With that, we're going to get out of here tonight. I appreciate you being with us tonight, Adam. Again, let people know where they can find you and where all of your stuff is hosted. Uh, yeah, I write for football guys. I'm on Twitter at Adam Harstad. Um, I keep links to old articles, just adamharstad.com. I try to keep everything simple there. Um, otherwise mostly just hit me on Twitter. Love it. Awesome. And again, you can follow us at dynasty junkies on Twitter or X, whatever I'm going to call it Twitter. Cause I can't stop. Uh, you can follow me at Andrew Hall FF. You can follow drew at DR underscore P R a, uh, follow us at the DAP network at the DAP network on YouTube and at DAP network on Twitter, uh, subscribe, rate and review. Again, we are back for the season. We're excited for this. We got more F mats coming up. We got a bunch of them in the pipeline already. Obviously, Andrew's been waiting for a while. We had to get to that one. But feel free to submit your own Find Me a Trade. If you've got a league that's kind of getting stale or you don't know what to do or you're not sure if you're contending or not, that's a perfect way to kind of throw it in there. We'll give you some advice and talk about it and hopefully find a trade that can get you some some winnings and get some titles. Uh, but with that, Drew, do you want to take us out of here tonight? Yeah, it's uh, it's that time. Junkies out. Amen, brother. See you later, guys.